Hello, hello, this is Monica Michael, and welcome to the Real Life After College podcast, where we feature the real, raw, and candid conversations about our guests. Today, we have the opportunity to have life coach Nisha on the show. She's a personal development coach, speaker, author, and founder of Queens Connect, where they're fixing crowns and collabing. She's also the CEO of Executive Behavior, and we're so excited to have her on the show. Check it out. We always like to kick our podcast off asking our guests the number one question. The school that they attended, the year that they graduated, and their major. Check it out. So I started at Milliken University, which is in Decatur, Illinois. And usually no one knows what that is. So I say, oh, it's like 45 <laughs> minutes outside of U of I and uh, ISU, you know. And then um, I graduated from there in 2012. And then I went to Loyola University Chicago in the downtown campus, um, graduated just this past May in 2017. And then after college, did you initially get a job in your field? Um, I see that you have like a psychology kind of social work background. So did you, one, did you always know that you wanted to kind of be kind of in that social work psychology, you know, major? And two, did you initially get employment right after? So interesting. So, uh, <laughs> so I started psychology. I wanted to get an undergrad, a degree in psychology, because when I was 13, I found out that my grandmother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Wow. I mean, she was schizophrenic way before, you know, I knew. It's just that I guess her medication after my aunt had passed was wearing off, just wasn't working anymore. And that's the first time I ever seen her with a different type of personality. And so when they said schizophrenia, I was like, I don't even know how to spell that, let alone say it or know what it is. So after hearing about it, I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And so I went to a private school. So I had a scholarship program called High Sight. And so I drank a year, we had to go to so we had to go somewhere. We had to participate something in the summer, you know, outside of the city. So I ended up going to Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, to a um, program called Entrada. Mm-hmm. And you stay on college campus for 30 days and you have to pick a major. So thinking about my grandma, I decided, well, I'm going to see what psychology is all about. And I did that for a month and I loved it. And I was like, well, I know what I'm going to school for. So I'm going to go to school for psychology so during those years you know I tried to stay focused and stay with the path of it but when I got out of school I was actually supposed to start a job but 2012 a lot of the mental health facilities were closed down they they were all losing all their funding so there was my job it was completely gone according to the anxiety depression association of america 40 million U.S. adults suffer from anxiety or depression disorder, and 75% of them experience their first episode of anxiety by the age of 22. In this segment, Life Coach Nisha talks about how she battled clinical depression in undergrad. Check it out. So, so let, me, let me say how God works is how I got here. Long story short, when I was an undergrad, I was diagnosed with clinical depression okay. and also um, went through domestic violence. My GPA was so low, although I was able to graduate one time, which still shocks citizens, 
how I was able to choose that, but I was able to graduate on time and I had a low GPA. I remember I was told that I need to just get a job wherever I could because my GPA wasn't high enough and don't even think about applying to graduate school because if you're going to go to school for psychology, you might as well go to graduate school to get be a licensed therapist. Right. Because so, that was that became my passion being diagnosed with, with depression. I really wanted to get into therapy. So I was like, I, I got to do this. So it became really sad to me because I was applying to so many jobs and mm-hmm. I didn't have a job for about almost eight months. I was praying and praying and praying, couldn't get a job. And I applied to graduate school. I actually applied to Argosy for psychology, didn't get in. It was actually two schools I didn't get into until one day my mom ended up running into some random citizen who somehow they end up getting on a conversation about Kennedy King having an addiction studies program. And I remember one day I, I got up and I was just looking around for the information all around the house because my mom told me about it, but I didn't think nothing of it. I'm like, I'm still going to apply to graduate school anyway. And I just got up. I was like almost like in tears because I was like, I got to I got to do something. I got to be somebody in life. Mm-hmm. And so I found the information. I went to Kennedy King, took those courses and I retook my statistics course okay. that I failed in. Undergrad, got an A, had all A's and B's, got excellent recommendations, and then I decided to switch to social work. Okay. And I switched to social work because in the field of social work, not only do you have a lot of room to move around and what you want to do, and which gives you that hustle mentality that I really like um, to better your resume and just put your hands in different pots because that's how I am, but you also look at the person in their environment and not just that person and I like that concept of social work so I applied to Loyola and I first semester they put me in on probation because everything was great except for my GPA from undergrad right after that semester I got off and I was able to graduate with a above a 3.0 so I was like okay great life is good (laughs) right um I did like a post a couple of maybe months ago about how a lot of college students suffer with depression in college but specifically out of college and that you know this thing around of course there's a stigma around the black community when it comes to depression but there's also a general stigma around college students like not really acknowledging that like you know that little transitional period can be very stress stressing and you know can make you um depressed so I'm so happy that you like are so transparent with saying that you were diagnosed with because I too feel like there's a lot of people that are um that are out here that are suffering in silence. How does one choose their calling or determine their career? Is it research? Is it a counselor? Or does your personal experiences shape who you are? In this segment, Life Coach Nisha lets us know how she knew social work was her thing. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And so, okay, another interesting is thing is when I got into school I then got a new job at Heartgrove Hospital where it's a um, mental health behavioral hospital so mm-hmm. I was a mental health tech or specialist what do you ever call it and I was dealing with people of every population I mean all age groups and different diagnoses every single day I seen a clinical piece of it and it was just a really good experience wasn't always <laughs> a, a 
a positive place, but it was a really, really good learning experience. Mm -hmm. I was working part-time there and working full-time at the Department of Human Services as well in the public aid office. So, you know, I didn't went from people telling me not to just get any job you can and you can't get into graduate school to not only getting to graduate school, but working for the state and working part-time in a clinical experience at Heartgrove and buying my first car. So then I made a goal to myself because I still felt like, you know, I wanted more. I made a goal that I was going to uh, eventually just keep moving on forward, make sure I keep whatever I do. I have to have an ultimate goal. of. So no matter what, I knew that whatever move I made had to have something to do with being in the social work field. So my job at the state, I couldn't stay there because they basically told me I had to choose between working there and uh, my education. And I let that job go because I need my education. I had a the big goal that I had of wanting to be a clinical social worker and own my own private practice. Okay. And since working at that job wasn't really in a social work field or me doing what my passion was, I had to let it go. So I was willing to look super crazy. And my dad still look at me crazy to this day. <laughs> and so, you know, I have to, and, you, and then I realized you don't really have to explain yourself to people because then when you get to where you're going, then they're going to be like, well, how did you do it? Exactly. So I stopped working there. I stopped working at Hartgrove. I was ready to move on. So now what I do is I work at a crisis center helping adults who go through mental health crisis and I help dispatch the calls and I help screen them and I talk to them and I try to deflect them to doing anything and make sure they get help. And then I also go to the hospitals and um, I, what I call an EDA worker. I go to the hospitals and emergency room for adults who do not have insurance. Mm -hmm. I do mental health assessments for them. And then I recommend to the hospital what level of care I think they need and where they should go so they can get the appropriate help since they don't have insurance and they can't get help from that particular hospital that they've been admitted to. So I do that. (laughs) Evenings, what I also do is I work with a nonprofit organization and I work with teenagers to help them with um, their therapeutic goals. So outside of home and school, I take them out, no matter where we go, whether it's out to eat, dinner, play games, whatever it is, we talk about their goals that they have to make sure they're developing um, properly and cognitively. So that's what I do in the field. You do a lot. And it's so crazy to me. And I I love when people get on the show and kind of paint their story because a lot of people may very well look at you and I'm pretty sure. And, you know, may not know your story, like, you know, getting a bachelor's going through domestic violence, um, being diagnosed with depression, being told you shouldn't apply to a master's degree program, getting into the master's degree program, getting a job, working in your field, and then now you have these two other, like, very thriving businesses, I think, you know, really paints the story. And although we talk about 2012, that wasn't that long ago, you know? So for all those things to kind of happen and you were told that they wouldn't, I think it's just a testimony to, of course, your faith, but also to you know, letting people know that they just can't stop regardless of what people may say about them. Life Coach Nisha owns not only one, but two businesses. The first is Queens Connect and the second is Executive Behavior. Let's hear more about it. My whole ideal is when we come together, we are so powerful. Like we, we can heal together together. 
we can make money together. We can grow together, given different perspectives of life and situations. Mm-hmm. I have personally experienced women who do not know how to connect with other women. Right. They don't trust other women. They rather hang with the guys. You know what I mean? But, and I remember going through depression certain times of just isolating myself. Mm-hmm. And when you isolate yourself, you're not really helping yourself because you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into depression. Like if I just had a queen that I can talk to or because some men won't get what women go through. Exactly. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes we're very emotional creatures and, you know, I do have some best friends that I know I can talk to, but, you know, there are certain things that if you were to just be able to talk to another woman um, who can connect with you on so many different levels just kind of empowers you. If you have women around you who set the example, mm-hmm. um, when I was, uh, going through domestic violence, I had friends who kept trying to pull me out. And if I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if as after I experienced that situation, I've met so many other women at random who just so happened to confide in me their story. And I'm like, man, her story sounds like this other girl's story. Right. I know. If they only knew each other, Lord knows they could have made a book together, got some money together, you know, made an impact together on other women who are not at that um, level yet where they feel like they can tell their story and, you know, or feel comfortable enough to tell their story because some women feel like if I tell my story, I'm going to feel judged by other women. So the purpose of Queens Connect is to actually give people that voice to say, hey, I've been through it. I've done it. Now, you know, I, I just want to encourage you that you can also do it. And when you do it, I'll have your back, which is why on the blog, because it's also a blogging community on the blog, you'll see about I think it's about two stories on there mm-hmm. now of women who not only told their stories, but they put their picture up there to say, yeah, this is me. Right. You know, this is what I've been through. And some women who don't know how to ask for help, they like to read other women's stories. Exactly. So this is like. Um, indirect way of helping women um, get together because you know I've I've been around mean girls mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mean girls you know what I mean and I just want to surround myself with positive women who are trying to do positive things because you won't believe how different your life will change when you change your circle exactly you know, what I mean? you know and I have to say that I'm in one of the best times of my life because I was able to connect with women and a lot of the women who I connect with I've connected via social media and now we have a ball together you know what I mean it's like that's that's the vibe I want to give out to the city to say you don't have to be angry you don't have to be silent you can use your voice you can be who you are and don't have to apologize for it and you can uh, set the standard and you can encourage someone else to have that same type of mentality to be free and we can heal and do things together so that's what that's why you know it was so important that I just launch it and get it out there exactly and I think that is so important because of course you see you know kind of women empowerment groups but I think just from what you're saying like the different theme about you guys is like it's a little bit deeper than just coming together for goal setting you know like I feel like 
there's just like a general sisterhood. Um, and that's one thing that I've I've seen on social media before you even told me this. But I think that that's a different aspect of it. Because I think, you know, sometimes, of course, we all want to get together for brunch and have mimosas and a drink and have dinner. But I think building real, true relationships is, you know, what's going to be sustainable and it's going to really, really help you grow and, like, catapult you to where you are supposed to be in the future. So I really, really do like that. So secondly, I wanted to talk a little bit about executive behavior and just what you do i know that's kind of like your life coaching business but exactly like what you do what you specialize in as a life coach um of course i looked and i researched a little bit and one of the things that i really like that you said is like you kind of teach people to be like experts of their own kind of lives like you know like really creating the life that you want for yourself and i think that that's something that i haven't really seen in life coaches i mean it's kind of like a geared plan that they prepared but i think that the ability to be able to let people know like hey you are the expert let's work together to figure out what makes you know what do you want out of your life i think is is amazing so if you can kind of talk a little bit about what you do there, um, what you offer, um, and why, like, you know, empowering people to be experts of their lives is important to you. Oh, yes. Every time, you know, every time I hear, like, it really makes me smile because this was, like, my big first project. This is what I created while I was still working for the state and um, working at Heartgrove. You know, at that point in my life, you would have thought I would have had everything made because, um, state worker, part-time job, mm-hmm. you know, I, my now husband was my boyfriend. And then I'm like, okay, she got a man and she, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> what else do you need? But I, but I felt like there was still something that had to be done because I would think to myself, now, what is the reason why I didn't went through domestic violence? Because, you know, I came from a two parent home and a, a lot of stereotype is that, you know, a lot of women who go through domestic violence, they come from a broken home or this, that, and third. And no, you know, I feel like certain situations happen to you in your life for a reason to set you up for a better situation. Right. So, and I said, something is missing and I feel like I'm not doing something that God wants me to do because um, I still felt the empty space. So it's just so happened that, you know, while I was, uh, I was, I did an internship a while ago, um, while I was doing addiction studies before I got into graduate school, I did an internship at a um, substance abuse treatment center for women. And that was a, a, and I I would do, I would facilitate groups there. And we would talk about, you know, integrating back into the community. And a lot of the women there, and there was even a woman that was the same age as me, who had two kids who was going through substance abuse and she kind of felt like she was intimidated by me because we were the same age and I was, you know, going to school and, you know, whatever, or whatever her perception was of me at the time. And they all seemed like they were at this emotional state during the group session. And they were just like, hey, um, what happens when I go back out there and people don't like that I'm sober? Mm-hmm. Or if I go back out there and people feel like, oh, I think I'm better than them now. Right. Or, you know, I don't, do you think I can do it? And I, and I would tell them, it doesn't, it's not that whether I think if you could do it, it's about if you think you could do it, you know yourself better than anybody else. We can sit here and do these one-on-one sessions or these group sessions and I can tell you my 
thoughts or whatever but ain't nobody gonna be able to answer questions like you are about your own life exactly because you know how you feel when you are triggered you know what think what certain things make you upset and how to make yourself feel better and, and you know what I mean so I, I tell them I said you don't need permission to be great you don't need my permission to go out there and you know be the new you you know right. you have to learn how to you gonna have to. I, I used to tell them all the time, which is how I came up with executive behavior. You have to make some executive decisions and learn how to hire and fire people in your life. Right. You gonna have to say, you know, if you don't like me how I am now, and I know that this is gonna help me get my kids back or help me get back in school or help me become a better productive citizen in society, then you gotta go and I'm gonna replace you with this person. And I had to look at that and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to start practicing what I preached. And I became up with executive behavior because I want behavior to be a constant reminder that your actions help, you know, with where you're going. You have choices. God gave you um, the authority to say no, to say yes, to go right, to go left. Right. So, um, so that's why it was important to me because you don't have to go through substance abuse in order to feel like that there are people going through many different situations in life where they just feel small or feel like their voice is not important or feel like you know they can't thrive in this world so I tell people you know you are the CEO of your life you can stand on your truth you can be authentic and you can tell your story and you can thrive being yourself and still going to the next level. That's why it's so important for me to do this type of life coaching. That's why it's important for me to be that voice and give that visual because somebody is not doing that for them. Exactly. And I think that that's like amazing. Of course, I've had my fair share of life coaches and have just, you know, of course, read about life coaches or seen life coaches on Instagram. But I think the one thing that kind of sticks out about you is that you know, you're not given like a cookie cutter plan, you know, like a cookie cutter, do A, B, C, D, and that equals, you know, E, like you're actually like laying out like people's decisions and letting them know like what you're doing is gonna either be good for you or be bad. And I think that sometimes people need that in your face reality to get their stuff together. So I like that, like kind of, you know, transparency and like, really kind of like real world stuff that like will put people to where they need to be. So I definitely, definitely like that aspect. Yeah. And I have to practice what I preach. So when I, when I do that with other people, it's like I minister to myself. I, what I do it with any of my clients, I say, what does happiness and success look like for you? What are the type of what are the type of stuff you want in your life? And sometimes, you know, people say all these fancy things, which is nice. I mean, you human, you want these type of things. Now we got to find something that's gonna, uh, you know, give you that money that you need to do this. So how do we do this? And I ask them the questions, and I let them think, and I let them answer, and. It seems like, okay, so you knew all the answers pretty much on your own. Right. I just, <laughs> so sometimes the issue is you don't have people in your life just really asking you right. the questions that you need, you know? And I tell them that's why I love social work so much because the people around you, I mean, everybody in your circle can't be broke. Everybody can't have relationship issues. Right. Everybody, you know, can't be 
doing drugs and can't be, you know what I mean? There got to be, somebody got to be able to teach you, say, well, I know how to manage my money, so I can teach you how to do that. Or I'm getting married, and I'm going to tell you some of the things that I didn't been through, so, you know, take it for however you want, you know, just letting you know what I've been through, you know, or, you know, I've been broken, I've been down, I didn't lost all of this, but I'm here because of that. So I, I tell that to people all the time, you know, who are around you, because you just need somebody to ask you the right questions. It's not because I'm just this big expert. It's really because I'm just asking you questions that somebody should have asked you a long time ago. Exactly. <laughs> and I really do think you need like honest people around you, too. Like, I feel like one of the things I try to be in my business and in my personal life and on my Instagram and whatever is I try to be as as transparent as possible. And I feel like a lot of times the reason that people are so steered the wrong way is because people are out here lying to people and it's like no one says you gotta tell all your business on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook but I really do appreciate the people that are transparent and let people know like look I've been through this I'm not where I'm not there now but I've been through that and I'm trying to lead you to another thing so I definitely think it's like being transparent as well because people are out here getting their self lied to girls <laughs> oh yes they, they are sending these citizens off and I don't know where they're going and you know what I mean but you know it's always a learning process those are people you gotta fire and you and you gotta replace them with some, I didn't replace some people in my life and that was the best decision I could uh you know ever make because you know I still got friends who I maybe not where I am in life, but I may talk to them about other things. But then I got all my business besties where, you know, we can continue to grow this ladder. Like I have a, a really good friend of mine. Her name is Trine. And she started her business now. And, you know, she didn't get her social work degree. And I'm just so excited because now I could teach her the stuff that I learned. Exactly. Because, you know, I got a social work degree and I'm, you know, starting businesses and, and whatever she needs, you know, I try. You know, I, I got her some labels for her because she's starting a, a hair oil company called Trinae's Growth Oil, okay. which is selling out, by the way. And, you know, that's but that's the example that, you know, I'm trying to give to say, who is that person that's going to say, hey, I've been there, let me. Let me learn you something. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and for the college students and recent college graduates that are listening, oh, yes. I think that it's extremely important right now, especially if you're in college, to really evaluate and take a fine kind of like evaluation of your circle. This is something that I didn't do, and I can be honest with oh. saying that. Um, and this is something I definitely probably did like too late in the game. But definitely take a look around and like see like, you know, fill in the gaps like figure out like are the people that are currently around me like are they pushing me to be better are we growing together are we staying stagnant and if you find that those aren't your people I mean take her advice and fire them <laughs> and get you some other people that are gonna push you to where you need to be and nice and definitely get people that are advocates of your success and are gonna you know push you to be better as you can see you just heard her promote her friend that's a good friend. Like you want to get you somebody who's an advocate for your brand, an advocate for your life, an advocate for whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, you just want to get the right people around you. So if you're a college student, especially a recent college graduate, definitely, definitely, definitely make sure that you're evaluating your circle. And I it's advice time, which is my favorite part of the interview, because we really get the opportunity to dive into what our guest feels like are the top things or top advice for college students who will be successfully navigating life after college. Let's see what life coach Nisha thinks.
advice for college students. So I kind of wanted to give a general advice, but also really wanted to, to touch on mental health, especially because we're fresh off of like the two suicides of like some really big celebrities, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain. Um, so this is like, of course, like, I mean, suicide is kind of like being publicly talked about now. And it's not like it hasn't been talked about before, but I think with the two kind of big high level deaths, uh, people are kind of shining a light about it. Um, but specifically just about like life of the college depression, like any type of advice that you can give. A lot of people get really sad when they can't find jobs because they've been sold this dream that a degree equals instantaneous. And we know that that's not really the case. So any type of advice you can give on transition, depression, you know, just figuring out life at 21 or 22. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Because this is something that I would tell myself if I could. First, we know it's hard. College can be hard. And in some in some instances, it can be kind of scary because it's like, you know, when I went to college, I feel like I was being put on this pedestal where it was like, oh, Little Jackie and Tony daughter, they she going out to college. Mm-hmm. She doing I felt that pressure and anxiety. I was feeling anxiety and depression, all feelings that I've never felt before. And I'm out there by myself. It's not like I'm coming home every day. So, you know, my mental health was like in a really bad state. But my advice would be understand that you have to trust the process. And I know that's a popular saying now, but one, please trust the process. You know, my my spiritual life grew because of that situation, because when I didn't feel like I had anybody, I would pray and my prayers kind of kept me going, too. Mm -hmm. And do not take no for an answer, because, mind you, you know what I was told graduating and a lot of people didn't even think that I was even going to graduate on time. And I did do not take no for an answer. What you need to learn how to do is just go a different route. I was unemployed for eight months and I kept applying, 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 and nobody would take me. Mm-hmm. And some of them didn't even see my, uh, what my GPA was. It's just, they just did not hire me. But then when I got hired, I ended up getting two jobs and getting paid very well. So it's like during that time where you're not employed, but you keep applying for jobs, do something that's going to help you in your situation whether it's going to take another class or whether it's interning somewhere or, you know, talking or meeting a mentor in the field that you want to be in, you know, do something to navigate your next step because your current situation sets you up for a better situation. Exactly. You know, that's why it's so important to trust the process because you may feel down and you may feel, cause I, I felt like a bum. I was sitting right. with my parents. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm so used to doing something all the time because, you know, my parents always had me doing something every summer. So here it is, a college graduate, and I'm sitting on my parents' couch, and they coming home from work. Exactly. And I'm looking so what's for this? I wanted to personally thank Life Coach Nisha for being our guest on today's show. We really do appreciate her and her energy. And I also wanted to plug her event, which is actually happening tomorrow, called the Boss Link Up for our queens out there. So this is a prime opportunity to discuss business and career goals with other women. 
and also the opportunity to speak about caring for the woman with Brittany from Be Bad. And Brittany was actually on the last podcast, so this would be a phenomenal opportunity to connect with other women, talk about business, career goals, and everything under the sun. I'm going to put a link to the event, but again, thank you so much, Life Coach Nisha, for being on the show. You guys feel free to check her out on all of her social media that she plugged. Also, check us out. Um, the Real Life After College podcast is also available on iTunes and SoundCloud, so check us out on both, as well as connect with us on our website, which is www.whatnowacademy.com. This is Monica. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Twitter. I think I'm still at She Has Levels. Okay. That's a whole username, and I'm trying to get back on there, so don't judge me. But... <laughs> Instagram, I got three Instagram accounts. Uh, my personal page, Abby on my personal page, and then the hat is uh, at Shades of Nisha, N E S H A. And uh, executive behavior is executive underscore behavior, and at Queens Connect. And then my Facebook is Nisha Phillips. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.